Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. I'll be picking up your phone calls in just a wee little bit here. We've got a lot to cover in today's program. I want to start out with today's op-ed about can America avoid the bloodshed and chaos of a civil war? I'll get to that in just a minute because there is an active movement in the United States trying to start a civil war. Also, when should mask mandates end, and what does the Super Bowl tell us about this? I don't know if you watched the game. Louise and I watched it, and I'll get into that you know, in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, what we saw. And can only white guys kneel? Is canceling student debt a key to reviving America? But I want to start out with my daily rant here from HartmanReport.com, titled, How Can America Avoid the Bloodshed and Chaos of Civil War? Adam Kinzinger, you know, the Republican who's on the January 6th committee, along with Liz Cheney, came out last week and said that he was openly worried about a second American civil war. He said, I don't think that's too far a bridge to recognize. It's going to be armed groups against armed groups, targeted assassination and violence. And I'm not certain that he's right that we're going to have a civil war. In fact, I'm pretty skeptical about it. But there is an active movement within the United States trying to start a civil war. And over the weekend, I read uh, Barbara Walters' uh, book, or Walter, not the TV person, it's just a, an absolutely brilliant book. It's titled How Civil Wars Start. And she goes in, she digs into, you know, the Bosnian conflict, the Irish Republican Army and the Northern Ireland conflict. I mean, just a whole bunch of these. And, you know, one of the things that she just lays out in, in extraordinary detail is, number one, how rapidly these things happen once the, the match hits the gunpowder. Even uh, Germans, you know, Milton, she, in fact, she quotes Milton Mayer in a book, you know, where he was talking to, you know, good Germans in 1951 when he went over there and interviewed people who had lived through Hitler. And uh, they said, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't see what was happening. I mean, you, you, you knew it was bad, but you didn't know where it was going to end up. Uh, the, the one guy says, you know, it's like a farmer, you know, one day the crop is over his head and he doesn't know how it got there. So, you know, that, that I mean, it was just... And frankly, this is also something that these people on the right believe. We had last week Congressman Thomas Massey. This is the uh, Republican from Kentucky who uh, famously around Christmas time 
tweeted out a picture of him, his wife, and I believe there are three kids, maybe four kids, all holding uh, AR-15s or other assault weapons uh, as their Christmas card. And he was on a, a web show with some right-wingers, and he said that 30 to 40 percent could agree that, he was referring to the American government, was legitimate tyranny and it needed to be thrown off. They, that would be the people who are going to try to take down the government, need to have sufficient power without asking for extra permission. It should be right there and completely available to them in their living room in order to affect the change. Now, what he's talking about is this phony baloney article that was published in 1974 in The Rifleman, the NRA's magazine, uh, by a teenager who asserted that the reason the founders put the Second Amendment into the Constitution was so that we could rise up and kill off our government should it ever become tyrannical. There is absolutely no evidence for that anywhere. And in fact, if anything, it is exactly the opposite. And the founders at that, during that era were actively putting down insurrections. So no, they're not going to say, hey, let's arm people uh, so they can shoot at us. But Thomas Massey believes that. And the guys who were on the show with him you know, after he says, hey, you know, uh, people should have weapons, you know, that can take on the U.S. Army, which is what? I mean, he wasn't specific, but like what, tanks? Shoulder-fired surface-to-air missiles to deal with the, the Black Hawk helicopters? I mean, he, uh, obviously he's talking about assault weapons. But, you know, one of the, one of the kids on the, on the interview with him says, yeah, we need, uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, we need chemical, biological, and nuclear weapons, too. And he was not joking. Or at least it sure didn't look like he was joking. On, on, on my op-ed, there's actually a clip of the video of it. You can, you can check it out. So how do we get here? How do we get to the point where we're actually talking about a civil war? I would suggest to you, and I make this argument, and I think it's a, a, a strong one, in, uh, in today's op-ed at HartmanReport.com, that how we got here really started with a, in a big way in 1981 with the Reagan Revolution, when Republicans took over the government and took us out of Keynesian economics, the, the New Deal economics, in other words, economics that drives an economy from the bottom up, took us out of that and put us into uh, Milton Friedman's neoliberal economics, also known as Reaganism, also known as supply-side economics, all this kind of stuff. And you know what we saw was that as a consequence of this, Reagan's neoliberalism took a meat axe to our unions, uh, took a you know just destroyed the income of working class people across the United States. Um, so you've got that. I mean, we saw wages just collapse. Basically, they've been flat for the last 40 years, uh, at, at least for the bottom 90% of Americans. For the top, you know, one percent, they've gone up hundreds of percent. But for everybody else, no, not so much. And then on top of that, you've got this election, uh, this uh, immigration law reform in 1965. From 1924, I think it was, in the 1920s, you know, that was when we got our first immigration quotas, was in the 1920s. My recollection is it was 24, but don't hold me to that. And, and what that law said was that pe people can immigrate to the United States, they can come into the United States, but only in racial proportion to the current racial makeup of the United States. So there was basically a quota for white people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, you know, whatever. And, and, and that stood until 1965. In 1965, that got blown up and thus began what right-wingers refer to as the browning of America. 
So you've got that, the, the first generation of that, right, the first really substantial number, on top of Reagan, quote, legalizing at least three million, quote, illegals um, in 1986, all of that, you know, contributed to the browning of America, which is, you know, freak, had, has freaked out the white racist Republican base, basically. And then on top of that, you've got the 80s was when the GOP's voter fraud hysteria started really going on on steroids, although Trump has given it a whole new life. And Reagan's assertion, the day that he was inaugurated, you know, uh, January 20th, 1981, that government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. So what these, what the voter fraud thing and the and and Reagan did was essentially say, don't trust the government. And then on top of that, you had white people freaking out about the browning of the country. And then on top of that, you had the largely white American middle class crashing economically. And when you know, if people grow up in poverty, they tend not to rebel against it. But when people have something and it's taken away from them, when people are thrown into poverty, they tend to get very pissed off very fast. And this is the point that uh, uh, Barbara Walter made in her book, How Civil Wars Start. Um, we saw this in Syria. We saw this in uh, Northern Ireland. We saw this in Bosnia. In each case, an ethnic or language group that had been the dominant group in that society lost status, and the result was a civil war. And she gives, and those, uh, she gives a lot more examples than just those three. And so I think that all these things together are why we're here. Now, Walter says that the solution is to restore the middle class, essentially to reverse neoliberalism. And that's what I'm saying, too, is, you know, let's undo Reagan's attack on labor unions. When Reagan came into office, a third of America was unionized. Now it's less than 6%. Let's make unions real again. Let's, let's, let's do what Canada has done and give people free or low-cost education and free or low-cost health care as well, providing a, a support system. Keep in mind, half of America today can't deal with a $1,000 unexpected, unexpected expense. In 2015, you know, when Reagan came into office, 65% of Americans were in the, quote, middle class. In 2015, we dropped below 50% officially. So the bottom line is basically that people who have a good job and have good pay tend not to become uh, insurrectionists. They tend not to start civil wars. I mean, this is not rocket science, and, and, and I realize that at a certain level I'm, I'm simplifying, but I don't think very much. You want to pull the rug out from underneath the white supremacist movement, rebuild America. And by the way, oh, and also the other thing is that uh, we need to restore, and this is my thing, we need to restore confidence in our trust in our government. Canada has this thing called Elections Canada. It's a nonpartisan government, uh, you know, it's actually kind of separate from government, sort of like our post offices or like Amtrak is. It's a, a separate agency, nonpartisan, that runs the elections for the whole country. And everybody's registered to vote. Everybody has an opportunity to vote. It works for everybody there. Uh, you, know, every, you know, everybody who's a citizen. And, you know, there's, there's, there's it, when elections are controlled by partisans, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, and obviously, you know, we're, I'm very concerned about what Republicans are doing, but Republicans have been claiming that 
you know, Mayor Daley stole the election for JFK ever since 1960. When Republican, when politicians control elections, trust evaporates. So let's have a national election commission too. And by the way, um, the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Enhancement, Voting Rights Enhancement Act moved us in, the, in that direction really substantially. It also put some limits on dark money, which Canada has also done. So I'm basically saying, hey, you know, maybe our slogan can be, uh, if Canada can do it, so can we. I, you know, we're all in North America. Uh, my Canadian here, Sean, is applauding. So anyhow, this is, this is my take on this. And, and I think that, you know, if we don't do this in the next two years before the 2024 election, and the Republicans get into power, they will block all these things. And I think then we are heading toward the possibility of a civil war. So we've got a lot to do, and we've got to get around Mansion and Cinema to make it happen, because they're the ones who blew up both of these efforts. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And the way that we get around them is by electing at least two more Democrats to the Senate and, you know, holding the House majority. We'll be right back. Les in Winnemucca, Nevada. Hey, Les, what's up? Hey, John what's Hartman. Good today? to hear from you. I think this goes back to the John Birch Society. It absolutely and does. I, and I think that, yeah, and you know, you look at the oligarchs and you say, well, when it really gets down to it, they're all just a bunch of little Putins running around trying to cause trouble for any democracy they can. Well, and you know what the John Birch Society goes back to? It goes back to the 1954 Brown v. Board decision. I mean, that that produced this explosion. The John Birch Society's main campaign in the 1950s and 1960s was impeach Earl Warren, you know, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, yeah, who said did, that you where, can't have segregated where schools. Where did the money come Where did the money come from? It came from money that Coke, Charles Coke, made when he put together the oil fields for uh, Stalin. Yeah, that was Fred Koch. That was Charles's father. After but, World but, War II. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right, World Les. You're right, Les. Excellent point. Thank you very much. Martin in Carborough, North Carolina. Hey, Martin, what's on your mind today? Uh, hi, Tom. Thanks very much for taking my call today. I'll be as fast sure. as I can. Um, real quick, uh, my friend's telling me to read this book about by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, The Real Dr. Fauci. Right. I know you've had uh, Kennedy on before for uh, Stand Up for Democracy in 2006 mm-hmm. after the stolen election from George Bush. Now they're using your article on the Defender page, which is uh, Kennedy's page for about anti-vax, and it's the psychopaths in suits are getting away with murder. Now, this has got you on here, Tom Hartman, on The Defender, and I'm curious if you know that they're using your name on The Defender and how you feel about this book he's written about the real Dr. Fauci, if you could review it, and if you could help me figure out how to tell my friend that it's, you know, he says that the pharmaceutical lobbying industry is is 300 million, which is twice more than any other lobbyer, and uh, that that's what's controlling all the information. And the reason you can't find any information but bad stuff about Kennedy is because it's on Google and pharmaceutical industry is controlling it all. And I'm curious what you think. No, I'll I'll tell you very, very quickly here, Martin. Uh, You know, I I have read the uh, the introduction and one of the chapters of the book. I have a copy of it. And, you know, respectfully, I disagree with Bobby. I, 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 you know, I think Fauci's a good guy. Uh, you know, basically, right. 
with regard to their using my article, psychopaths in suits, you know, that's fine. I, you know, the psychopaths in suits are destroying our country. And the pharmaceutical industry is predatory. I mean, I, nobody would dispute that. You know, the question sure. is, is this particular vaccine going to help us avoid death and destruction with COVID? And I, I believe that that's the case. And I'm not all that hyped up about Fauci's background and stuff like that. So I get it. You know, if they want to quote me, that's fine. We're all entitled to our opinions in this country, and it's a, and, and it's a fine thing. And I wish Bobby well in, in his campaign, although I respectfully disagree with it. That's what I would say. Sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back. So uh, when should the mask mandates end? This is a, another topic I want to lay on the table here for you. The Super Bowl, the right-wingers are just going nuts about the Super Bowl. Now, what they're not telling you is that in order to get into the Super Bowl, and it was a hell of a game, wasn't it? I always, unless it's Detroit, <laughs> I always root for the team that's, uh, you know, th that's behind. So I was rooting for the Bengals for a while, and then the Rams, and the <laughs> anyway, I thought it was a great game. And I'm not a big sports fan, but I, you know, I, I enjoy watching uh, football from time to time, and uh, and many sports. I mean, I, golf is the one that puts me to sleep. But uh, anyway, this is what uh, SoFi Stadium uh, was. This was their requirement. Uh, this is from. Uh, uh, Yahoo News, but it's just a summary. Proof of vaccination and mask will be required at the SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. Attendees two years old and older must show their vaccination cards or a negative COVID-19 test taken within 24 hours, 48 hours if it's a PCR test. It can't be an over-the-counter test. There's a free testing site in front of the Gilbert Lindsay Plaza across from the LA Convention Center. And uh, vaccination is defined as both doses of a two-shot regiment or a J&J. &J. Um, they're not requiring boosters. And so, you know, th this is what they said. And by the way, California's mask mandate ends tomorrow. So the, the, the headlines over on the right wing websites are all, you know, Super Bowl mask hypocrisy was on bold display because, you know, there were celebrities seen without masks. A lot of people seen without masks. You know, I think when 100 percent of everybody around you has been vaccinated or shown in a, a negative COVID test, Maybe it is time to get back to normal. Here in Oregon, we're going to be the la one of the last states. We're doing it on April 1st. We're ending our mask mandate, at least so far. 
and uh, this is engendering a, a kind of a debate in the state. Now, being a relatively rural state, we got the Omicron wave about two weeks before most of the big cities in the country did. And so that's why we're doing it later. But uh, the, you know, one of the state public health officials said, talk to any hospital worker. And they say, you mean we're going to stay above 1,000 for another month because you're not willing to hang on tight for six more weeks? That's terrible timing. And indeed, I mean, you know, now that we've seen particularly these studies showing that if you've had COVID, your risk of heart disease just goes through the roof. It's over 70% increase in risk of heart, heart, heart disease, heart attacks, and strokes. Um, that's pretty serious stuff. So we'll see. But what's your sense of this? It, it, my sense of it is that it's coming to an end, but I think it's way premature for us to just like, you know, jump into public spaces with no mask on it at the very least. Tom Harbin here with you. And uh, oh, one other thing I wanted to mention, watching the halftime show, which was amazing. Uh, the, the choreography in particular just blew my mind. I mean, the, the, such extraordinary, it was, just a, it was just, a, and the music was great. But Eminem takes a knee, right? The only white guy on stage takes a knee. And the NFL then comes out and says, yeah, we're cool with that. There's something something a little um, skeezy about this. Uh, you know, I, I get it. All the right-wingers are all going nuts. You know, oh, my God, somebody took a knee. He's, he's doing homage to Kaepernick. We can't have that. And, you know, I think it's a good gesture, right? But I would have liked to have seen more than just Eminem take a knee. Anyway, that's my rant. What say you? Let's pick up your phone calls here. Tyrone in Harlem, New York. Hey, Tyrone, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Good. It's, it's very conflicting to me, the, the fact that it seems like the media lets us know what we need to be angry or not to be angry over. Yeah, I guess. And I, I would, <laughs> you know, it, it, seems, it seems so prevalent that, you know, it, it, like you said, take a knee. Is that something that we need to be angry about? We're going to see how many people, how this polls, or how this raise our ratings. So that's what we'll go with. Yeah. But I was wondering about the fact that this browning of America is going to continue to happen. And if this is what's upsetting um, the people that feel like they should be in power, should have more power over other people, that's not going to stop. So are we, you know, prolonging the inevitable, this major conflict that is, you know, eventually is going to come to head because they're not going to give up and we're not going to give up. So... Because to see this, what's going down this path, and you know the fact that they've taken rights away, and you know I, my right, my body, except for if you're a woman, you know this this whole dynamic with that they put in started to work towards their benefit. Right, and there, we're seeing this. There, there's you a know, nuance. There's a nuance to this to to what's going on here, Tyrone, and and to uh, Barbara Waters, Walters, uh, Walter apostrophe s. Um, uh, book, you know, how civil wars start. And she talks about, uh, I, I think probably the best example was Bosnia. But, you know, what she points out is that it takes two things. It takes, number one, a majority, an ethnic majority, whether it's a racial majority or a language majority, uh, which was the case in, in uh, former Czechoslovakia, 
um, uh, although they consider themselves racial, racially different, you know, the, the Serbs, the Croats, and the, and the whatever, yeah. um, the Bosnians. But um, not only does that majority have to slip below being a majority, but at the same time, they have to lose economically. When you have both of those things, then you have a civil war. If the majority slips below is no longer the majority, but they're doing fine economically, you don't have a civil war. And that's why I'm combining the browning of America with the, the incredible damage that 40 years of Reaganism has done to the, to the middle class generally, but specifically in this case to the white middle class, uh, so you've got, you know, all these white middle-class guys who did have good jobs in factories where one guy going to work could raise, a, you know, could pay for his whole family and pay the mortgage and everything. It took one worker ba basically in 1980 to support a family. Now it takes two to maintain that same lifestyle because wages haven't gone up. Household income has gone up. Um, it's almost doubled since 1980, but uh, the number of people working has gone from 1.3 to 2.2, I think it is, um, uh, maybe maybe 2.1 um, in that same period of time. So, you know, basically what we're seeing is the this economic erosion. The economic erosion creates the rage, and then the right wingers come along and say, "Well, you know, you know, who should, you should really be pissed off at. You shouldn't be pissed off at the billionaires and at Reagan for doing this. You should be pissed off at those black people who are taking your job." And uh, you know. And, 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 you know, we've heard this song, right, from the Republicans since the 50s, really, in a big way, but, uh, or from conservatives, let's say, because there were, there were no shortage of Dixiecrats back in the day saying the same thing. But what, I, what I'm saying is that if we could restore the middle class for everybody this time, because it was largely a white phenomena before, if we could restore the middle class, if we could make America safer to live in, I mean, half of Americans are in like crisis level trouble if they hit a thousand dollar expense if their car gets if they get in a car accident or if they get a medical bill or you know and pretty much anything that should not be and that is not the case in any other developed democracy in the world and so you combine these two things economic insecurity with a loss of status or a loss of majority and yeah you've got an explosion if you if you just have the loss of majority then you've got a, a culture and a country that's just going through a transition and that's an okay thing. So I think that's the point. Tyrone, I got I to move yeah. on, but thanks for the call. It's a you know, thought-provoking question. You know, what do we do? Thank you very much. Jared in Abbeville, Louisiana. Hey, Jared, what's on your mind? How you doing? Good morning. Good. Hey, uh, uh, you bring up the theme of civil war, and other people have too, but, uh, and, and even uh, I'm surprised a lot of veterans do. And I guess uh, if you watch the uh, flyover at the Super Bowl, I don't know, maybe you can tell me how civilians have a weapon system that can counter that? Exactly. That's, that's why I was saying, you know, if there is a civil war, it's not going to be a region of the United States that decides to rise up. It's going to be what Adam Kinzinger was talking about, which is uh, the kind of chaos that you saw in, in Northern Ireland. Um, you're going to see buildings being blown up, you know, randomly. You're going to see, or not randomly, but, you know, targeted assassinations. Uh, now, I think Kinzinger is more sensitive to this than most of us because he's receiving all these death threats. And so he may be exaggerating the risk. But this is certainly what, these, what the people in the white supremacist movement are talking about doing. You know, they're coming up with their target lists, and, 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 they, and they continue to think. This was Tim McVeigh's thing back in, in, in the day. You know, they continue in the 90s. They continue to think that if they can just light the spark, then all the good white people will rise up and kill off everybody else, like, you know, in that novel, in the Turner Diaries. 
Um, I, I'm with you, Jared. It's not, I don't think it's going to play out even remotely like that. And I think they're dramatically underestimating the power of the U.S. government. And I think that January 6th is probably giving a lot of them a hell of a pause. But I still think that we need to basically civil war proof or let's say strife proof the United States by restoring the middle class. <laughs> it would be a good idea. Jared, I got to run. Thank you for the call. Bob in Woodstock, New Jersey. Hey, Bob, what's up? Oh, yes. Woodstock, New York, by the way. Oh, New York. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, thank yeah, you. That's fine. I'll fix it. Yeah, so, Tom, what do you think about the idea that Trump was actually threatening a call to um, civil war, you know, when he said that, you know, if the proceedings go against him in Atlanta, in New York? And also, you know, beyond that, uh, do you think that the department, or the DOJ, is actually intimidated by, by that possibility? I know it might seem a little far-fetched. But, yeah, know. no, I, there's a lot of people speculating that, that uh, we have not seen a lot of activity out of the DOJ because they're afraid of Trump. I don't think that's the case. I think they are slowly and carefully building a case, and I think that they're going to come after Trump. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, uh, time will tell. But the, uh, the, the, the whole issue of, the, of Trump, you know, calling for a civil war, Trump has, and, and, and I mean, think back to 2015. What was Donald Trump saying in the 2015 primaries when he was on the stage with all these Republicans? He was saying, they're going to give more tax breaks to billionaires. I'm going to give you a tax break. They're going to ship your jobs overseas. I'm going to bring the jobs back. They're going to fight against you being unionized. I'm going to fight for you being unionized. He gave a he he was doing a Bernie Sanders in 2015, and it allowed him to just mop the floor with people like Jeb Bush and and, uh, little Marco, you know, and because he was giving voice to that uh, what was middle class and is now working poor white uh, worker across America. And he's still giving voice to those folks. And, and like I said, the way to take away that voice is to take away the grievance, which is to restore the middle class in America. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right. And I think Trump is the, is the voice of the insurrectionists. He is the voice of these people who want to do this. And it's not a, a good or healthy thing, frankly. It's a, a very dangerous thing. Bob, thanks for the call. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, not too much, Tom. Look, on this topic of a civil war, we, I don't think anyone can deny it. We're in an epistemic crisis, all right? We have two different groups of Americans that see facts differently. Yeah. That's a problem. That's a problem. And that's the Garissimov doctrine. You know your Senator Wyden there? Yeah. Have you heard about the Heinrich Wyden uh, memo about the CIA collecting information on Americans yes. for years? Yes. It was a big story last oh. week. Right, and I don't think it got enough attention because it's huge. You know what the CIA does, right? They, they, they plan uh, uh, contingencies against foreign adversaries. They don't generally, uh, you know, bother themselves with the affairs of Americans. Right. And, they, and nor should they. It, 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 it's in the law. And the bottom line is, is there is a possibility they are collecting this information in order to find out exactly how deep the schism is in America and if it can be exploited by a foreign adversary. Right. And that, now, would, that, and that would make sense, it. and it would make sense, too, that they're buying that information from you know, private actors. But your point about warfare, about hybrid warfare, I mean, this, is, this was Kinzinger's point, that you know, if we have a civil war in America, it is not going to be people in the rural areas marching into the city. Yeah, it's not going to be a regional war. It's going to be more, you know, you've got armed white right-wing groups who are going to try to 
provoke confrontations with mostly people of color because that's their thing is, you know, the, the, the white racists, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to create a race war. Uh, Tim McVeigh thought he was going to start a war that he thought was going to become a race war. I mean, this is the Turner Diaries, right? The Bible of the, literally, I mean, the, the, the FBI calls it the Bible of the, this new right movement. So that, that's what I see happening, Dave. And, and, you know, if we don't fix this, I mean, right now we've got this, this red hot thing going on, which is a collapsing middle class. Now, Biden has actually, in the last, the last year or so, you know, there's about a trillion dollars more in the pockets of average Americans than there were two years ago. So Biden is starting to pull us out of this. But Build Back Better and reforming voting rights would have really pulled us out of it. Sadly, the, you know, the right-wing billionaires got to two of our Democratic senators. We need more. We'll be back. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The only person to take a knee at the halftime show, and of course the halftime show is not the traditional place to take a knee anyway, it's you know, during the, the uh, anthem, but was uh, a white guy, Eminem. And uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of this. You know, I, I, like I said, I, I, I thought it was a great thing that he did, but then the NFL came out and said, yeah, we saw this happen during all the rehearsals. We knew it was gonna happen, we're good with it. It's been six years, Roger Goodell, you know, the NFL commissioner has apologized to Colin Kaepernick, although, you know, once Kaepernick took the knee, uh, no NFL team picked him up after that. He's basically been blackballed from the NFL, which is uh, pretty amazing. But I, I just, you know, would raise the question, can only white guys kneel? And I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I, my, like I said, I'm, I have a whole bunch of mixed feelings about this. And... You know, I think it's a, a good topic for conversation. Maybe we can talk about it. Uh, the, the bigger issue, I think, is the one that uh, just kind of blew my mind. When I saw this on Twitter, I, I did not know who SoFi was. I'll, I'll just confess right up front. I, you know, I, I 
SoFi. I knew it was a bank of some kind or a, you know, a finance company, but that's all I knew. And then I saw this tweet from Bernie Sanders during the game because I was multitasking, as I am wont to do. And uh, he, he, Bernie tweeted out, so how does it happen that SoFi, a student loan refinancing company, could spend $625 million to put its name on the LA Rams football stadium when 45 million Americans are drowning in 1.8 trillion in student debt? Today would be a good day for the president to cancel student debt. Now, I realize that, you know, there's, there's a lot of other stuff going on in the world. You've got Ukraine on the, on the brink. In fact, there's widespread speculation that Wednesday's kind of the do or day die for Russia to decide whether they're going to invade or not or to, to you know, to, for some conflict in the eastern part, the Donbass region, to, to just spread um, and, and, and provide that pretext. Nobody knows. Uh, Donald Trump apparently this morning was... Uh, uh, praising President Putin and trashing President Biden in the in the context of of this, it's uh, which has got me scratching my head. So you know, you might say, well, you know, student debt. This is not the crisis issue. I think it is. Uh, you know, certainly it's not as big a deal as nuclear. The possibility of a nuclear war, but. Student debt is one of the, you know, in my rant from the previous hour was, you know, give us back our middle class. Well, before Reagan, a big piece of being American in the United States, you know, growing up in, in, the, in the United States was that you could go to college if you just worked a summer job. You could pay for your tuition with a summer job or with a part-time job. My mom did that. I did that. Uh, she graduated. I didn't. <laughs> but, you know, it's like. We didn't, student debt was not a thing. I've, I've said this a million times, I'll say it one more time. You know, when I was going to school in, when I was going to college in 1960, well, in the late 1960s, um, I knew one person who had student debt. And he was working on his master's degree. And he's still a, a friend, we still correspond. Um, but I, I didn't know anybody who had student debt. I mean, it wasn't a thing. There was no SoFi. There weren't, you know, multi-million dollar companies. So here's this company that, that has, it was able to scrape 625 million bucks off the top for all the profits they're making on, on 45 million people having student debt, something that pretty much literally does not exist, or at least not at, at this level of crippling uh, people in their lives and crippling an economy, does not exist in any other developed country in the world. There are hundreds of thousands of American students studying in Europe right now. There's like 7,000 of them in Germany because tuition is free. In some of these countries, not only is tuition free, but they pay you a stipend, a couple hundred bucks a month for room and board and, and books. Not so in the United States. Now, when it was that way in the United States, you know, before Reagan became governor of California, the University of California system was entirely free or largely free. I mean, there were, there were a few fees there, but. And it built America. That was the, that, that was the 70s. And this is, this, is how we, this is how we put men on the moon. This is how we invented Velcro. This is how we invented the transistor and the integrated circuit and the internet and all of these things. I mean, the, this extraordinary boom that came out of the GI Bill in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s and just, you know, low tuition. About 80% of the cost of going to college was covered by government, one way or another, by state or federal governments. 
And then, of course, you had the, the I believe it's 56. I may be wrong on the number, but you had you know, more than 50 land-grant colleges that Abraham Lincoln started by giving large chunks of land to, 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 to universities and saying, or to start universities. This is how Michigan State University got started. Lincoln said, here, here's a bunch of land. Take this land and work it or sell it or do whatever you want. Make an endowment for your college so that you can offer free or very, very low-cost tuition to your students. And they did. According to data from the Department of Education, just canceling 50,000 bucks, which now this is the SoFi loans, Biden can't cancel because they're private. But government loans, he can cancel. And that's about half of the student debt burden in the United States. Canceling $50,000 worth of student debt for all of the people who, are, who have government loans would wipe clean the debt burdens of 36 million Americans and allow them to start families, buy homes, start businesses, take risks, become entrepreneurs, put the economy back together. As Nina Turner tweeted out and the Debt Collective uh, you know, doubled down on, she said student loan providers should not have $625 million sitting around to buy naming rights to a stadium. It's immoral. And the Debt Collective, when they, when they tweeted, they said, remember, your debt is someone else's profit. And that is so very much the case here. Now, let me, let me just add another weird little twist to that, because as you know, the student loan debt was brought to you courtesy of conservatives, uh, largely in the Republican Party uh, back in the day, and this was Reagan's thing. In fact, when he was asked after he ended free college in California as governor, he was asked why, and he said, uh, I don't want to subsidize intellectual curiosity, and he called the students uh, brats. And in fact, he said, if we need to have bloodshed, let's let it be, or something like that. Where's that effect? You could easily find the quote four days before the Kent State Massacre. That was Ronald Reagan. So those guys kneecapped our students. They also kneecapped our seniors. This is fascinating, right? Reagan in 1984, the Reagan administration, you know, the, it came out of a commission. You know, it was Alan Greenspan and, and uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who was a Democrat. Moynihan was a Democrat. Um, their, their commandment was figure out how to make Social Security stable because the baby boomers are going to start retiring in 20 years and it's going to be expensive. And so what they did was they doubled the Social Security tax, the tax that you and I pay uh, into Social Security. But one of the other things that they did was they added a tax to Social Security. Now, prior to 1984, if you were retired, if you were over 65 and you were on Social Security, and there's uh, uh, you know, a whole bunch of exceptions to that, and you can get it as early as 62, quack, quack, quack. But basically, if you were retired and you were living on Social Security, you did not pay income taxes on that money. And Reagan said, no, no, we got, you know, he, he went after tips. He went after Social Security payments. I mean, he, this was one of the 11 times that Reagan raised taxes on working class people. So I get this email from FreedomWorks, right, the right wing group. And this is hysterical. Just listen, keep in mind, Reagan raised the tax on Social Security, created, put the income tax on Social Security. Dear Thomas, 
Few things infuriate me more than seeing career politicians pick the pockets of hardworking Americans, and that's doubly true for our senior citizens. And one of the most egregious examples of the greed of big government politicians is the double tax on Social Security benefits, which forces senior citizens to pay even more of their fixed income to the IRS. That's why FreedomWorks is helping to lead the charge to pass the Senior Citizens Tax Elimination Act, H.R. 6590, a bill introduced by Representative Thomas Massey. Now, that's the guy who did the Christmas picture of him and his family with the AR-15s. That's the guy who, in the previous hour, I pointed out, said that Americans should have enough weaponry in their house that they can take on the U.S. government. So... Anyhow, he, he is proposing to end Reagan's tax on Social Security. And then the, the letter goes on. Up until 1984, Social Security benefits were rightly exempt from the federal income tax. However, in 1983, greedy career politicians in Washington, D.C. did what they always do, found a way to take more of your hard-earned money, changing the IRS code to make Social Security benefits taxable income. Well, that was Ronald Reagan. Then they go on to say, America's seniors earned their Social Security benefits through hard work, and they deserve to see their benefits increase through the immediate repeal of the federal government's tax on Social Security. I agree! But isn't it amazing? The, the levels of cynicism, just absolute cynicism, that these right-wingers who will you know, sing the praises of Reagan all day long and then say those evil career politicians back in 1983 or 84 changed the Internal Revenue Code so that you have to pay income taxes on Social Security. Well, yeah, that was the Reagan administration. That's who it was. And the Republicans were running the show. Diamond in West Hollywood, uh, listening on KPFK. Hey, Diamond, what's up? Hey, Tom. I believe that we should keep the mask mandate here. When you mentioned that California is foregoing their mask mandate, LA mm -hmm. County and the city of Los Angeles is keeping the mandate for a month or two more. Oh, really? Uh, I believe it's two months. But the reason I think we should keep the mandate is every time we, uh, you know, we, we remove restrictions, we do, you know, people go crazy. And yeah. I am really not a sports person. Um, I don't watch them. But I do remember looking on um, Yahoo prior to the Super Bowl, the thing that leads up to the Super Bowl. That's how knowledgeable this works I am. And they blamed Governor Gavin Newsom, who I'm kind of meh about, for taking off his mask. However, what the mainstream media failed to really go, you know, they gave a cursory notice to this, is that a majority of the sports audience was maskless. And right. so right now, you know, a couple of weeks from now, we might have a super spreader as a result of all these. It'll be interesting to see, Diamond, because this time all those people were vaccinated. So I think I think that's, you know, interrupting it pretty badly. But but I, I don't know if you've ever uh, traveled in Asia, but I, you know, I, I used to do business in Japan and Taiwan and have spent a fair amount of time in both those countries. And what always amazed me, and this was back in the 80s, was that during flu season, you'd see 10 percent of the people on the trains and subways and stuff wearing masks, wearing surgical masks. It was just, you know, and, and what it is, is if you get a cold, if you have a runny nose, if you have, you know, any symptoms of what might be flu or a cold, you put a mask on as a sign of, you know, I'm protecting you from me. 
you know, if you have to go out. And that's like become a cultural norm across several of these Asian countries. And I'm wondering if that's going to happen here. Do you, what do you think? I used to frequent, you know, before the pandemic, my local library. There were a lot of homeless people there. And um, and I used to feed home, homeless people. just like, And I got colds this prior to the pandemic all the time, like mm-hmm. bad colds. I have not had a cold since the pandemic because I knock wood because I've been consistently wearing masks. Yeah, I've I've had one cold in two years now, and it was uh, it was from my grandson. <laughs> you know, it was just, but it was just a little. You know, it wasn't you know some terrible thing. It was just a, a cold. Um, Louise got mm-hmm. one too, and that, that's what happens when you're around three year olds. But I'm with you, and I, I'm thinking that there may be, you know, the leftover of this. And, of course, we're also, I mean, COVID is not going away. It's uh, the threat of it is under control because, in my opinion, because of vaccinations. But I, I'm, I'm wondering what kind of permanent cultural behavioral changes we're going to see as a result of this. I don't know the answer to the question, but I'm guessing that we might, you know, a year, two years, five years down the road, we might be more like Japan and Taiwan, where you see people wearing masks during flu season because they, you know, they're not feeling well and they're trying to protect other people. I just don't know. Diamond, I got to run. Thanks for the call. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I uh, was talking about this, you know, my op-ed over at HarmanReport.com today, talking about the possibility, well, the, the fever dreams of the hard right of a civil war in the United States. And I said, you know, if it plays out the way it played out in Bosnia or the way it played out in, in uh, Northern Ireland or uh, Syria, it is not going to be one, you know, the army of the North marching against the army of the Confederates. It is going to be scattered random, not random, but scattered incidents of assass- targeted assassination and violence. And here we go. This news breaking. Craig Greenberg is a guy running for mayor of Louisville, Kentucky. He is a Democrat. And uh, he was in his office and somebody fired several bullets through the window into his office at him. One of those bullets went through his clothing, but apparently did not go through him. Thank God for loose-fitting shirts. I don't, I don't know, you know. And this from the report, this is from um, Yahoo News. Early evidence suggests that the shooter acted alone and deliberately targeted the Democrat. So, you know, is this something that is going to... Well, I, I don't know. I don't even want to speculate. I just, I'm, I'm telling you, we need to take this stuff seriously. We need to take it very, very seriously. And Bob in San Luis Apisbo, California. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. You were mentioning earlier about the potential for a civil war. Yeah, and, and, well, and my thought that if that happens, it will play out like it did in, in Europe, you know, like with the Irish Republican Army, you know, the IRA back right. in the day. And specifically, 
Specifically, though, when that was going on, the British government, who was being revolted against, classified most of these acts as terrorism. Correct. And that's what would be happening here. We would have domestic terrorists we already do. doing acts of terrorism against our country, and they would be mostly extreme right-wing conservatives. We, and are, we, we already do, Bob. The FBI has identified terrorists. that as, as the major terror threat to the United States. Over 80% of all the deaths uh, since 9-11 in the United States caused by terrorists have been caused by domestic right-wing terrorists. Yet our federal laws do not define domestic terrorism. So you can't label somebody a terrorist in the United States unless they came from a foreign country, which is bizarre. I think we need to be changing our, our laws, frankly. But on the other could hand... Not the, we label, could not we label them as an uh, enemy combatant? No, which I don't think so. That's, that's, under, a very, that's a very specific meaning. And, and I, see, I don't want people to lose their rights. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's a, a legitimate concern here. I started to mention this when I said on the other hand. Uh, the other hand is that if... Let's say that, that uh, the Biden administration correctly labels, you know, the guy who shot at this mayoral candidate in Kentucky a domestic terrorist. Because once you identify somebody as a terrorist, then the law, the, the Patriot Act, allows a whole brand new level of intrusive investigation and listening in and spying and whatnot on that person and the people around them. And, uh, you know, terror investigations are much more extensive than your ordinary criminal investigations. Once you've done that, and once what, you've established that precedent, what happens when you've got Josh Hawley as president or Ron DeSantis as president, and he decides that people like you and me, Bob, are terrorists? Well, the thing is, though, if you're looking at the actual acts against the existing current government and those are being classified as terrorism, how does that make the extreme right wing any different from ISIS? or the Taliban. I would argue that they are uh, not, not anything close to identical, but they, they share a common, essentially, worldview, um, which is uh, a single race and a single gender controlling absolutely everything, and a single religion uh, controlling absolutely everything, and, and uh, an absolute willingness to use violence to get there. Now, uh, going against the government, Bob, typically would not be classified as terrorism. That would do, be classified as insurgency. Terrorism is when you kill civilians in order to accomplish a political goal or when you kill politicians. If a person gets, a, if a person gets arrested on, because they are committing this act of terrorism and they say, no, 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 I'm not a terrorist, I'm an insurgent, I'm going against the government. Right. Wouldn't they then be up for insurrectionist charges? You would think, yes. And, and uh, insurrection is a very, very serious charge. Bob, uh, i got to move along. Thank you for the call. Kenyatta in Los Angeles. Hey, Kenyatta, you want to speak to my observation that the only person to kneel here was a white guy? I do. And I think the it. totality of your question, uh, or the entirety of it, was uh, is it uh, okay if uh, just uh, white guys do it? And I think uh, knowing you as well as I do, in terms of your intellect, that was probably a rhetorical question because yeah. white boys, and I'm using the word white boys because you use it on your show, so I'm sure that no one's offended by me doing it, can do lots of things that uh, black people can't do, for instance. And a 70% uh, black employee football league, they can own the teams, 
blacks can play the game, but they can't own the teams. There are no black owners out of 32 teams. Yeah. Out of 32 teams, there are only two black head coaches. Uh, I did not watch the Super Bowl, Tom, and it's the first time in my adult life that I didn't because, you see, of JFK's exemption for uh, the National Football League, which makes it entertainment. It is not sport, unlike other sports. I'm not going to get into the weeds on that, but it basically makes it where they can script the games. And you'll notice that this year there were lots of games that went down to the last few minutes. They were all cliffhangers. And apparently that's what happened yesterday. But I wasn't going to watch because really? of all of the... You, you think that's the game right. was scripted? Like, like, like uh, worldwide wrestling? I want you to know this. The only other so-called sport that has such an entertainment exemption is world wrestling. Wow. Wow. I, you know, I, 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 I confess, Kenyatta, I know nothing about sports. I knew nothing about that. Well, That's amazing. I'm, so, so, and you'll notice, the, understand the NFL had two seasons of empty seats because of the, the, of the pandemic. Right. They've got to recoup that money. Yeah. SoFi Stadium cost billions of dollars. They've got to recoup that money. So they add a game to the schedule, and then all of a sudden, games this year, I mean, went down to the last two minutes. That's never happened before. Overtime games. So it, it's, you know, and these are the things that people don't know. So anyways, because of that and the minstrel show, at halftime, I wasn't going to watch that. I didn't watch the game for the first time. But let me no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was 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 that a minstrel show, or was that hey, f- you know, finally the Los Angeles hip hop scene gets their due? I guess it all depends on what side of the fence you're on, Tom. For me, it was a minstrel show, and I will tell you, even though I didn't watch it, my phone was ringing off the hook yesterday with. Uh, uh, other people that I know, particularly in the black intelligentsia, that were were very offended by it. That's interesting. Um, I didn't see it, wasn't going to watch it. But anyway, yeah. let me just say this. Uh, the things that uh, the white boys can do, we can't do. White boys can shoot a president and live to talk about it and walk around in the streets. White boys can attack the United States Capitol and try to take down the government and the police run from them. White boys can go to that Super Bowl game yesterday and pay $12,000 a ticket. Look at that. I'm sure I didn't watch the game, but I'm listen. And yet you can sit there and watch the black gladiators in the Coliseum run into each other. Yeah. Yeah. Last note, you said something about civil war. Mm -hmm. War has already begun, Tom, because the first casualty of war is the truth, my friend. And that's already happened. Brilliant. Kenyatta, as always, brilliant. Thank you. Michael in Los Angeles. Hey, Michael, what's up? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Just real quick, as far as like the mask mandates with with, uh, with regards to the Super Bowl, which, by the way, halftime show was really cool. I just think that personally, it is time to lift the mask mandates, just kind of based off what we saw yesterday. I mean, it, it clearly, I think everybody being there, I mean, the whole stadium was unmasked. I mean, I understand, you know, most of the people there are. But there was a vaccine vaccinated. mandate there, Michael. I understand that, but it's That's not the like wild the card. vaccine. I mean, there's, there, is, there is a website uh, here in Portland that lists, well, actually, they're starting to do it on open table now. Um, you, if you want to make a reservation for a restaurant, there's a little click box for, you know, vaccine requirement. There are restaurants, there's some, tw- more than 20 restaurants in Portland right now that are taking reservations and you can go have a really nice dinner, but you've got to prove that right. you're vaccinated. Um, right. if, well, if we're talking about that, I'm A-OK with it. 
Well, I mean, just, well, I mean, with, even with, with, with like regards to things like restaurants, like here in Los Angeles, like you know, you have to be vaccinated to, to eat inside the restaurant. But it's like the people who are eating in the restaurant don't have to wear a mask, but the people who are you know waiting on your table do. And it just seems like the rules are kind of Swiss cheese a little bit. It just well, it's because you like can't it, eat through a mask. I mean, that's just that's just well, a mean, simple and practical that, reality. But, but 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 the spread of COVID uh, is is something that can happen with uh, with or without the vaccine. Um, the vaccine literally just keeps you from, you know, going to the hospital or dying. No, not true. The, the vaccine also prevents you from getting the disease in many cases. Breakthrough infections are real, but most people who are fully vaccinated and boosted, if they're exposed to COVID, they don't come down with it. Uh, well, I mean, most of the people I know who've been vaccinated, I mean, I'm triple vaccinated. I haven't gotten it yet by right. some miracle, but right. that, you're, 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 you're proving my point, Michael. So I'm saying, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with ending the mask mandate if we're going to have a vaccine mandate. But if we're not going to have a vaccine mandate, then I think it's premature. Michael, I got to run, but thanks for the call. You're Sandra in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, Sandra, what's on your mind? Well, you were uh, just talking about the right um, glee to maybe start a new civil war. That didn't work very well in 1967, Detroit. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a riot that started there, and it started because the cops uh, raided a bar after hours, and things kind of got out of hand. And people got upset, and they started taking action, uh, like snipers on rooftops. And so the governor got upset about that, and he sent in the National Guard, and people got upset about that. And so it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And finally, President Johnson sent in the 82nd and 101st Airborne Divisions, uh, who were experienced in guerrilla warfare. This continued to escalate for six days. Uh, hundreds were killed. Tanks were sent in. Personnel carriers were sent in. 50 cal machine guns were used. Uh, so this was not just a, oh, a cough kind of got out of hand. Uh, so this went on, like I said, for six days before it finally stopped. So... Anybody that thinks, oh, I'm just going to start a civil war and we're going to we're going to show the military what they can do. And I'm thinking, no, no, I, no. I think the military's pretty trained in this. So, yeah, they, they know uh, what they're doing. And I, I remember that very well. The the 12, as I recall, it was 12 city blocks that got burned down, basically. And uh, because yeah, it looked and, like it looked like Berlin. Yeah. And the, the reason war. the reason I remember it so vividly is that uh, my mom uh, pointed out to me because I was too young to remember that when yeah. I was one and two years old, we lived in one of those buildings. I, you know, oh, wow. My parents lived in Detroit for a while when I was, you know, after I was born. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it was right. It was a building that was right in the middle of the area that burned, burned, burned to the ground. So, yeah. 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 You want to see more about that. The U.S. News and World Report, Detroit 1967, has pictures, lots of information about it. OK. So, Sandra, thank you. Thank you for the call sure. and for the information. Good talking. Oh, by the way, the Republicans are all hysterical right now. Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, all of them, that uh, the Biden administration is giving away crack pipes. Uh, actually, it's harm reduction. It's, well, it's a longer story than I have time for right now, I suppose. Thanks for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. That includes you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. Stay safe. This, we're not at the end of this thing. We'll see you tomorrow.
been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 